The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. I'm your host, Brendan O'Connell. Well, last week I was in Western Massachusetts and I got a couple of emails, one from the New Boston Post and another one from National Right to Life saying that Boston was going to give paid leave to post abortive women and men for uh, several weeks. We'll find out from our guest. Uh, and I knew nothing about it. And this actually happened two months prior. We're in the middle of November of 2021, and this happened in the middle of September of 2021. And none of the newspapers covered it, none of the channels, but New Boston Post did. And we have with t us today our guest. Tom Joyce. Tom Joyce. I blanked on his name. It's all good. Thank you for uh, having me, Brandon. I appreciate well, it. You're welcome. Well, Tom, uh, New Boston Post, what, what is New Boston Post that you, you work for them? Sure, what? yeah, I'm a news reporter and we cover politics in Massachusetts. It's a conservative news site, so we actually do try to reach out and give the perspectives of both sides, allow them to have their say. But our story selection is things that are of interest to conservatives and it's uh, you know, paid wall websites. It's been growing ever since I joined. I joined nearly two years ago now and it's been around since 2015 and we're excited to continue it. And well, how many subscribers would you have? I Any idea? don't know the paid off the top of my head. I know our, uh, all our lists together have about 18,000 people on them. 18,000, wow, that's significant. Well now, uh, you're the person who um, discovered this uh, news story, which uh, mm -hmm. I personally find very distressing and that I, I didn't know about it and a lot of the pro-life community had no idea. And we just had our banquet in October uh, there was none of the discussion really about it. Uh, tell, tell us, what did you find? Or how did you come about this whole discovery of this particular story? Sure. So it actually started over the summer. I did find out about that there was members of the Boston City Council. So it was Lydia Edwards, um, who's just a regular city councilor, Anissa Asabi-George, um, who ran for mayor, and Michelle Wu, who is now the mayor of Boston, um, was an at-large city councilor at the time. All three of them wanted to expand the paid leave scheme in the city of Boston in the case of pregnancy loss, which would include stillborns and miscarriages, but they included termination in there, which would be abortion. And I knew about that over the summer. We covered the fact that Michelle Wu was a supporter of this because she was the front runner in the Boston mayoral preliminary election. So. 
I did that in probably late August, and you had other news outlets. And, and like that election in the primary was mm -hmm. in September, yes. early September. Yes, so that was part of our election coverage. So you had other websites like Washington Free Beacon and uh, Life News pick up on that. I hadn't heard anything about it since then, and I figured last week, why didn't I follow up and see if anything ever happened with that? Because Kim Janey was going to be mayor for about one more day, so I'm assuming that all of these things would have had to have come to her at some point. I saw nothing about it in the news, and uh, we have only one full-time news reporter. We do have other content, and you know I've been busy, so it hadn't really crossed my mind, and it never came up in any news organization, so I figured, why not look back and see if anything happened with this? And of course, I look back, and the city council unanimously passed this on September 15th, and then I asked the mayor's office, Kim Janey's final day in office, uh, whatever came of this? And Kim Janey signed it into law on September 17th, 2021. Is that right? Now, both uh, Isabi George, mm -hmm. uh, whom I saw a few weeks ago, the day before the election, outside the television studio here in mm -hmm. Eagleston Square, uh, and, uh, and Michelle Wu, were both running for mayor. So was this part of their, was this well known or did they keep it hidden in their platform or did it, they, was it, no, was it known at all? No, not at all. It wasn't on their websites. They signed something from NARAL, um, the pro-abortion organization that was, so I think. National Abortion Rights Action League. Yes, and it said basically it was the reproductive freedom initiative or something like that. It didn't mention they supported that. It basically just said they supported the Roe Act, which is another bill that was uh, very controversial that was signed last year at the state level with, uh, despite bipartisan opposition to it. This bill was not a part of their platforms. They didn't even talk about the abortion aspect of it. The only person that really ever addressed the abortion aspect of it was Lydia Edwards, who was the other um, sponsor of this piece of uh, legislation. And, and how, how, well, did she oppose it, or did, did she, was there something about sure. the legislation that she found uh, pr troubling? I, well, they, every single member of the Boston City Council voted in favor of this. They had a voice vote and it was unanimous. Well, do, do you know, uh, the, in your research, mm -hmm. were they all there, or did, was, was it only partial attendance? I believe it was full attendance. And as you know, and as we talked about earlier, that would include Boston City Councilor Ed Flynn, whose father, Ray Flynn, was a pro-life mayor of Boston, and also the U.S. Ambassador to the Holy See under Bill Clinton. Right. Uh, I've had uh, uh, Ray Flynn on this show many, well, several times, uh, he's been mm -hmm. on Life Matters. Uh, it would be interesting to follow up and see uh, who was in attendance at that particular meeting. Definitely. Uh, because uh, what we have, it seems like, I don't know how many uh, counselors are, if any counselors are pro-life in the city of Boston. Uh, I, I was shocked uh, uh, when I heard a fellow who had been uh, given up for adoption and this was a city councilor running it a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and he was for abortion. And Dan Ray, who was interviewing him, said, you know, you were saved, uh, <laughs> and you're for abortion? So I, you know, it's so it just, I, I, I believe that what we don't have is uh, the ground troops at City Hall. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I think we need to be there. Um, 
Let me ask you, so let's say that uh, there are 18,000 city employees. Sure. Uh, if someone, a woman got pregnant and had an abortion, um, would she be stigmatized by it or would her name, would her name be known that uh, she's taking a quote-unquote family leave, which is not, is redu it's not a family leave, I don't know what you'd call it. Sure. Uh, uh, was Lydia uh, concerned about the stigma of yes, the whole thing? Yes, she actually was. She, there's an interesting video, I think it's from July or so, and we have the transcript on New Boston Post, basically that there should not be stigma around this and that they think that people should be able to basically make this decision and it's there if they need it. And uh, just so that the listeners and viewers know, the scheme works like this. It's the same as if someone were to have a baby. And that means four weeks at full pay, 100% pay, uh, four weeks at 75% pay, and four weeks at 50% pay. So they can take as much of that leave as they want, but that also includes men. So say a man were to impregnate a woman and ha had no interest in having a kid, he could be someone who actually pays the woman or coerces the woman to have an abortion, and he can get four weeks off full pay for that. Four weeks? or, or well, f at full pay, and then if he wanted another then, four weeks at 75%, yeah. and another so, four weeks at 50%. Well, if they were both Boston City employees, sure. could they both file for this? Correct. <laughs> wow. Incredible. And it's abortion for any reason at any point in the pregnancy. So that would include late-term abortions, that would include sex-selective abortions, that would include a lot of other controversial abortions. Now, uh, the... Uh, one of the things that uh, I, I thought about, um, and we're going to have a guest uh, next week, Sherry Richard, who's uh, an ultrasonographer, perhaps the most knowledgeable about this in the country and the world. Uh, and um, she says that roughly uh, the, um, uh, the not, not the uh, forced abortion, but the uh, spontaneous abortion. That's the word I was looking for, spontaneous. Sure. The spontaneous abortion, which is a miscarriage, uh, is about 30% of all pregnancies that start. And, you know, some say, it, well, it's only 25%. And this is that the, these spontaneous abortions happen in the first three months almost exclusively, mm -hmm. not entirely, but... You know, so 30% of the spontaneous abortions, where there's just something biologically not ready to have a full child, uh, probably some chemical in the body uh, uh, that you know, just isn't there or something. That, and uh, so these people, um, uh, they're able to get, <laughs> it's, first of all, it's less psychologically damaging uh, and emotionally damaging, rather than if you made a, a decision to have an abortion and had the abortion, that is volitional. Mm -hmm. uh, you now have spontaneous abortions which happen without your consent, <laughs> they just happen. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a lot of people, 30% uh, of all pregnancies, you know, and then you look at 18,000 people and how many are of childbearing age and, um, in the city. And, and you know what the cost of the salaries has anyone put a number to what how much this would cost the city of boston no i haven't seen anything like that there because it's such a new concept there was no calculations and i will say on the 
uh, topic of miscarriages, I know that there are some pro-life groups that support basically bereavement leave for uh, miscarriages, which would be more like a few days just because they understand that it is a loss of life and it's a child that is wanted and it is upsetting to the parents. But it's something that even in the country of New Zealand they have it, but they do not have it for abortion. So they have bereavement leave. So yes. it's for, for um, spontaneous exactly, or miscarriages. Yes. Mm -hmm. I know I've had a lady on out of Chicago area. She has, uh, I think it's miscarriage.com. She had had an abortion, I mean a miscarriage. And so many people uh, don't understand that, you know, it's psychologically uh, tough uh, when you have a miscarriage. But it's far tougher long term, from what I understand, when you have an abortion, particularly if you made the decision to have an abortion. Or 64%, um, I believe, of all abortions are coerced, whether it's the parents uh, coercing a, a daughter or a teenage daughter or whatever, or if it's a boyfriend or a peer group or a mm -hmm. uh, grandparent. You know, it, uh, you know the, the pregnant woman is in a difficult position because the clock is ticking on the pregnancy, and, and so she's feeling a lot of pressure and, and all, you know, that kind of a thing. So I, I just, uh, I can't believe that, uh, are there any other cities that have uh, passed something, similar legislation? Yes. yes, but it's not to the same extent. So you have Portland, Oregon, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and their city councils, again, unanimously passed it. Theirs is a three-day leave. They fall it under bereavement leave, but I've seen pro-lifers have asked the question, bereavement leave for who? Who died? Yeah, I see. And um, the, the other question I would have is, uh, you know, particularly if it's a miscarriage, mm -hmm. uh, well, the city of Boston's going to say, well, how, how are you going to prove it? How, how are you going to prove that you had a miscarriage? Are you going to bring the, the dead baby to, you know, your doctor or something? He's going to write a note? Uh, so it's, it's something that can be wildly... Uh, uh, taken advantage of uh, in in our city, and um, sure. I, I just uh, see it as, uh, and for you know them to be worried about stigma, stigma, stigmatic, uh, you know, overlay of of on the woman or the couple. Uh, well, wasn't there the the pro-abortion people? You used to say, "Oh, you just get over it. Don't worry about it." Uh, but now they're admitting that there is a stigma, that there has been a stigma, and you know we've lost 62 million or 63 or 4 million to abortion in this country since Roe v. Wade and mm -hmm. Doe versus Bolton. Um, it's what uh, <laughs> has anybody taken advantage of this yet, or do we know, or is there some place at City Hall we can go to find out uh, who's used this type of leave or? Freedom of Information Act on it? Well, you raise a great point, and it's something I've been thinking about for the past week or so, because I only found out about this maybe at the end of, not last week, the week before that, so we reported on it on Monday to give people time to respond with uh, comments, which obviously most of them didn't get back to us. I think it is very appropriate. I think it would be very appropriate for someone like myself to put in Freedom of Information Act to put in public records requests to see how this is being used and how much it's costing taxpayers. Yeah, so that, that would be a, a good assignment for uh, 
uh, yourself mm -hmm. or, and or anyone else who'd like to, you know, take an active role, That's at right. least, uh, you know, and in, in say you've done something for the pro-life movement. That's right, and I think it's important for people to know that anyone can put in a public records request. You don't have to be a news reporter. Any citizen of, uh, even, frankly, just anyone can put one in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do, do you know if there was much discussion about this topic uh, at or was it all behind closed doors uh, so before they voted on it in mid-September? So before the vote, there was only Lydia Edwards talked for a couple of minutes, and she didn't even address the abortion aspect of it. And there was no one speaking an objection to it. They were just kind of going through bills very quickly. Oh, they were, I see. What, was it the end of the term or something? Or uh, um, I don't think it's that, because oh. the city councilors' terms end at the end of the year. Okay. I I'm honestly, I honestly think they were just trying to get th through things quickly and to conserve time, I guess. I see. Uh, it, would there be a way to repeal this at all in the city? Or, I mean, other than we vote out these, mm -hmm. uh, what is a pro-abortion city council? Sure. Uh, you know, and um, we have cities around the country now that um, are abortion-free zones. Right. Down, I think, in Texas uh, and... Do you know of those? Yeah, or? and there's also a few in Ohio. In Ohio? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why, you know, we seem to be 180 degrees opposite here in the city of Boston mm -hmm. uh, that is so abortion-friendly mm -hmm. uh, with uh, things going on, uh, uh, like even Della Bovey, who runs uh, a place in Brookline Village, which is less than a mile from all the research hospitals mm -hmm. in Boston. And... Um, there's questions about her uh, shipping parts over to uh, uh, fetal baby parts over to these research areas, uh, but we don't have any proof of that. Interesting. So that's uh, um, something that you know we've discussed sure. on this show. Uh, David Delayden uh, brought it up. Uh, uh, with his discovery, Center for Medical Progress, which yes. is about five or six years ago. Um, so, well, uh, so what, what else now on New Boston Post, yes. uh, what, what are the, some of the other areas that you cover that, for instance, did you cover the TCI uh, thing? Of course, yeah. That uh, Charlie Baker was pushing and now yes. he has re, uh, reneged on it. Mm -hmm. What did you find there? Why were states, he, he wanted to include a lot of states. Well, what does TCI stand for? It's the Transportation and Climate Initiative. It was a cap and trade scheme. If people aren't familiar, I'll sum it up real quick. Essentially, they wanted to put a fee on companies that produce carbon emissions into the atmosphere. And the idea is that if you raise, if you put that fee on, then it would make gasoline and diesel more expensive. It was anywhere between 5 and 35 cents a gallon. They never really got into the specifics. The idea that they had was that higher prices would deter people from driving and people, then they'd also have more money, more revenue that they would put into public transportation and then therefore people would take public transportation if they invested more into it. So they thought that they could reduce carbon emissions that way. The issue with it, there's a couple of issues with it. One is that Gasoline is a relatively inelastic good, which in economic terms just means if it's $1.50 a gallon or if it's $4 a gallon, people still need to get to work. People still need to pick up their kids. People still need to run errands. It's not going to really deter people from um, you know, driving. 
because people need to the way that our country set up. You have rural areas and suburban areas where mm-hmm. it makes no sense to have public transit. And then the other part of it is that a gas tax is a regressive tax. This is why it's a political loser. This is why the federal gas tax has remained unchanged since about 1993. This is why in 2014, the people like Jeff Deal, among others, were able to repeal a gas tax uh, hike that Deval Patrick had put into law in 2013 that indexed the gas tax to inflation. And I know every Jeff, January 1st. That's I, right. I was very involved with that. And this is uh, collecting so, signatures yes. as a prime. So, this is a regressive tax, which means it hits lower income people harder. It, they use a larger percentage of their income to pay for basic necessities like gasoline. And then the other thing is with a higher gas tax, that makes shipping costs more expensive, which means you're going to pay more for everyday goods like food and you know, lumber, among other things. Again, that hurts the working class the most. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you, do you know much about the Roe Act and what, yes. what happened? Uh, I know that the, the Democratic legislature extended their year from the end of sure. July all the way to December 31st. That actually went beyond that. It went into the next year. Their session ended um, the overnight and then in the morning of may have been January 4th or January 5th. Mm-hmm. Then they started their new session. Right, but the, the, uh, on December 26th is when... Uh, my understanding is that uh, it that make, made Baker look like he was supposedly pro-life, but you know, he, Charlie Baker is not. He's mm-hmm. not pro-life. And uh, he, uh, the, he, he vetoed some things, but the sure. legislature overrode it on December 26th sure. of 2020. Yeah. 2020. Uh, what, what do you know about the, the Roe Act and um, uh, how it came out in a vote and of course again the Democrats control the legislature and they're pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. I guess you can't almost be a Democrat anymore unless you're pro-abortion. For sure. A lot of people are intimidated because they don't have a strong stand on the life issue. Absolutely. There are a few Democrats that... Um, yep, like uh, Colleen Gary and uh, Alan Sylvia down in uh, Fall River and Colleen Gary up in uh, Drakeet. Oh, is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. good. What can you tell us about the Roe Act? So a few things. The initial bill they wanted to pass was even uh, more pro-abortion than the bill that they got passed. I know that initially they wanted to completely eliminate parental consent for minors seeking abortion. Um, They eliminated 16 and 17 year olds. This was a slightly watered down version of the bill because the pro-life movement actually did put a lot of resistance on these people and put a lot of heat on them and even websites like New Boston Post were covering what was actually in the bill and asking politicians what w- their thoughts on actual provisions of the bill that were very controversial. Um, so the, it legalized abortion after 24 weeks in Massachusetts in cases of fatal fetal anomalies. Um, the big one, the most controversial one, is that it stripped born alive protections from uh, babies born alive who survive an abortion, mm-hmm. say in the late second trimester or the third trimester that would basically guarantee them the same medical care you'd give a newborn baby um, because it is a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. And they've basically made it, I, initially what they wanted, and they didn't get this, was they wanted to make it so that regular just abortion clinics could perform 
third trimester abortions to expand access to abortion that way, which is, I think, as I've talked to some people, they said that this was an economic plan for the abortion industry to make it so that they could expand their services. So why would you want to make sure that a baby born alive doesn't need to receive medical care? It's because the people at Planned Parenthood are not the same type of medical doctors. They're not at a hospital. They can't provide the type of care necessary to save a child's life if it's born. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't have the instruments, which are mm -hmm. tiny instruments, uh, to yeah. help save the baby. Or even the interest, perhaps. Right. The other aspect of mm -hmm. that is the abortionist is there to kill a, yeah. a baby girl or a baby boy, you know, and if he failed, if the child was born mm -hmm. alive, then he can just let the child die on the table or sure. put him in a pan and close, put him in a closet or something. And, and it's, it's interesting, too, that we know what they were trying to do, the idea that that person you're go is going to go ahead and save their life after that. Right. Now, my understanding is it gives the abortionist and or midwife it's expanded sure. who can do abortions That's right. and but it gives them a get out of jail free card mm -hmm. is that correct yeah in a sense it almost is like it makes them not liable if they screw up like if the, if the they, born alive aspect of it because in the past they could have been held criminally liable if they were negligent and you know resulted in the death of a baby that was born alive and now that's no longer the case Right. Well, what about the mother? I mean, oh, if yeah. she had a perforated uterus from sharp instruments inserted mm -hmm. in her during an abortion, uh, that would be, you know, that's, an, that's the way a lot of women go to the hospital after, yeah. you know, in ambulances, and they get to the emergency room, and the doctors are going, what, what happened to this person? Sure. And, and you know, Meanwhile, the person is unconscious, can't tell them, well, I just had a just had an abortion, I'm bleeding to death, you know, yeah. that, that kind of a thing. And so I've, I've heard those 911 calls, I've had those, obtained those via public records requests. Mm -hmm. You can hear it is not a safe procedure for the woman. It's definitely not safe for the unborn baby, but it's not safe for the woman either. Right. And there are long-term effects too. Well, folks, uh, Tom Joyce, uh, you're now just uh, quickly uh, tell us a little bit about yourself again. Sure. I'm kind of doing this backwards. Usually we do it in the front sure. end. <laughs> So I grew up in Marshfield. I've lived in the South Shore my entire life. Oh. Uh, went to Marshfield High School, played football, state champ. Uh, went to Emerson College for a year. Didn't like it, too liberal. I already had experience with journalism. Started writing about sports mostly. Um, transferred over a little bit to politics when I was writing for a website called LifeZet, which um, was founded by uh, Laura Ingram, who's on Fox News, was one of oh, the yeah. main people involved with it. So I did that, basically covered sports, the intersection of sports politics and pop culture, um, covered a couple political things, started writing opinion columns for Washington Examiner in 2018. One of my connections from LifeZet showed me that New Boston Post is looking for a reporter, oh. and around November of 2019, probably around this exact time yeah. two years ago, and I started there. And early December, and we've been growing this thing ever since, and I've uh, loved That's every second of it. Well, terrific, Tom. Thank you so much for being on the show. Mm -hmm. And Folks, we hope you learned a lot today about this uh, surreptitious, uh, possibly uh, funding of an as aspect of abortion that uh, I had never heard of myself, and I'm very much involved <laughs> in the pro-life movement. And we hope you'll, to see you next week. Thanks for watching. I'm Brendan O'Connell, your friend for life.
the preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.